This is Clutch Fans. And by the way, shout out to the Clutch fans. You're listening to the Clutch Fans Podcast, an open conversation for Houston Rockets diehards. Houston Rockets is unbeatable. I'm ready to get on Clutch Fans. Now, here's your host, the man who would have drafted Harold Miner over Robert Ory, Dave Hardesty. If you are a diehard Rockets fan, and let's be honest, if you're listening to this podcast right now, that's exactly what you are. Uh, you probably have not been getting much sleep lately. The Rockets are in the middle of their defining moment. They are pursuing Dwight Howard. They made their pitch to Dwight Howard uh, late Sunday night as July 1st arrived. Um, the entire all-star contingent of the Houston Rockets, past and present, met with Howard in Los Angeles and Reportedly, 90% of Howard's questions uh, in that meeting were related to the team and how to win in Houston. If winning is Dwight's top priority, regardless of if it's short-term or long-term, you have to like the Rockets' odds. Yeah, absolutely. You know, the, the cap space and what what Daryl Morey's done for this team to set it up with the assets, the young assets, um, it seems like Houston is a no-brainer, but... That's maybe from the inside looking out. We were maybe a little bit biased thinking that way. You know, everything's been so positive, and it was it was fascinating to me to see these reports about the Rockets being so cocky uh, going into their meeting on Sunday night. And I guess the reason it was so fascinating to me is because that's exactly what I've been hearing and what we've talked about in the podcast, that we've heard so much positive buzz behind the scenes. Uh, he even had mentioned a report that, you know, there was talk that even uh, Howard had said to Harden and Parsons that he was going to play here. And that's what uh, the only thing that that to me could justify some kind of uh, extreme confidence that the Rockets are showing right now. But uh, right now we're in wait and see mode. He has shut down. He's met everyone that he's going to meet and reportedly will take a couple days to think about it and, and make his decision. Uh, and so we we remain in limbo. But uh, yesterday, Daryl Morey did appear on 790 and a shout out to uh, both Adam Clanton and, and Matt Jackson for some great interview questions. But uh, guys, there were some fascinating points made in that in that interview. Yeah. And back to your point about, um, you know, how confident the Rockets seem to be. Morey said in the interview that he would be what, crushed if. Dwight Howard didn't end up coming to Houston. You know, they said he wouldn't have done the Thomas Robinson deal, for instance. I mean, that deal was, uh, and we'll talk about that a little bit later, that deal was exclusively for cap space, not for the draft picks um, that we got in the back in the, the deal. Yeah, I thought it was also interesting. You know, I, I think it was Clanton raised the question, asked him about Manny Ginobili, and Daryl quickly said, hey, listen, I don't want to talk about any free agents that aren't named Dwight Howard. We're Dwight Howard full speed ahead. So the Rockets are all in on Dwight, and they seem pretty confident. And if if the Rockets are confident and Daryl Morey's confident, guess what? I'm going to be pretty confident too. You know, and Lance, to your point that Daryl had mentioned, that they would not have traded Thomas Robinson if they weren't pursuing Dwight Howard, that they were all in on Dwight. They, they, they're taking a gamble here. Interesting that that – 
part of the the radio interview was taken out of the podcast, which means the, pro- the Rockets probably were not comfortable with it being out there. But it was still just a fascinating point that the Rockets would uh, admit that. Yeah, it's uh, some of the language he used was really interesting to me. You know, he said, "quote Dwight is excited to play with Jeremy and Omer." Which to me, I mean, that, that was almost like it's in the bag. We're doing it. It's done. He's excited to come here. We've already agreed in principle to a deal. And that's certainly not really the case and to, to anyone's knowledge. Um, a, a couple other interesting things. He said that Dwight and Ashik would not be playing together on the floor at the same time. He said maybe as an experiment. And he said, you know, in, in response to maybe a trade for Ashik or Lynn, he said, um, the impact of having a good five on the floor at all times is bigger than an upgrade at the four spot. And I would agree with that. I think it's actually a great point that he makes. I just feel that that is a luxury that won't last very long. And I, and I do think, you know, they talked a lot about um, the Rockets shopping Omer Oshik and Jeremy Lin because there have been reports. Ken Berger has, has reported that. Mark Deeks of Sham Sports, uh, Jay Adande of ESPN have reported that out, that being out there. And um, he basically shot that down, saying they have no no plans that, that a, a general manager of another team had called to ask about those guys um, because, you know, just while they were doing their work to create cap space. And it just it doesn't quite fit. You know, I mean, obviously, Daryl, being the general manager of this team, can't can't say yes. You know, we're, we're out there shopping these players. But there just seems to be too much smoke around that uh, to not have some truth to it. Yeah, and, and the, it, it does sound good. You're right. The having a good defensive presence on the floor at all times in the five spot sounds great, and especially coming off a year where when Omar Oshik was out of the game, there was a big hole there. Uh, you know, Greg Smith did his best, but not, not, not being able to fill Omer's shoes. So since Daryl Morris said the impact of having a good five at all times is bigger than an upgraded four spot, Knowing that's the way he feels and knowing that Dwight Howard averaged 35 minutes a game last year, would you rather have 13 minutes of Omer Oshik or 30-plus minutes of Josh Smith, who was kind of recorded or reported as being a guy that the Rockets were potentially targeting? And, and the 13 minutes number is assuming that Dwight and Oshik would not play together on the floor. I mean, good fives like Oshik and Howard, especially Howard, are very hard to come by. So if the Rockets were able to manage to get both of these guys on the roster, I mean, I think having you know, a good five on the floor is huge at, at all times. But it, that's a good point. I mean, 30 minutes of a guy like Josh Smith who, you know, regardless of what you think about him, he is, he is a good power forward. He's a good defender. Uh, you know, that. I, I have to say that I don't necessarily agree with Daryl there. I think if you can upgrade at the four position and get a guy like Josh Smith for 30-plus minutes a game over an Oshik for maybe 13 to 14 minutes, I, I probably would rather go the Josh Smith route. But if they were to get Dwight Howard and pair them with either Oshik or Josh Smith, I'm I'm content either way. I think basically that I, I agree with this point. I think having 48 minutes of, of – uh, Top interior defense is worth its weight in gold when you have a guy like James Harden who can score. But I feel that those 13 minutes, 14, 15, whatever it is, can be filled and that Ashik's value is too great on the market to not get a significant upgrade at the four spot. Now, granted, you have guys who may grow into that role, Motiunas, Terrence Jones. Uh, it, it just, to me, it feels like 
that uh, an upgrade if not now by the deadline something will will come and that really leads into what we are hearing reports now the rockets also met with Josh Smith they met with Andre Iguodala as well but they they met with Josh Smith and the initial reports were that they were looking at Josh Smith as a backup plan if they don't get Dwight Howard, which to me, guys, is is just flat out discouraging. Yeah, don't very, look at it. Very, very don't, discouraging. Don't don't look at Josh Smith's shot charts if you feel like that's a good idea. Yeah, absolutely. But now more recent reports, and, and this is what makes total sense. If they get Dwight Howard, they'll be coming for Josh Smith. And guys, flat out, you're talking about Lynn or Oshik or both gone in that instance. They have to. I mean, the, the the numbers don't add up. You can't add Josh Smith and keep Jeremy Lin and Amorashik. It just doesn't add up. The numbers start to look really good, though, when you talk about moving both of those guys. Moving both of those guys takes away, what, $16.7 million off of the cap. So then you get, if you go after a guy like Josh Smith, say you get Josh Smith for $11 million, that still leaves an extra $5 million for somebody else, whether that be a starting point guard, if you feel like Patrick Beverly can't get that done at that position, uh, a backup point guard or a backup two or a backup three, um, at that point you can go get some other good assets. You know, I, I outside of this this podcast, I I talked to Davis. Well, what about you know Sam Down there? And he said, well, that bridge might be burned <laughs> as far as getting a backup center that can fill that 13-minute void. But that $5 million, just hypothetically, leaves a lot of good options. For me, offensively, I, I, he's a guy who's completely around the rim. I mean, he's, he fits in a lot of ways. He, you get, he'll get out and run, which this team loves to do. Uh, he, he plays well around the basket. He's a guy who will play some very good defense, I think especially weak side off of Dwight Howard. There's some fit there. I think as far as being a stretch four, he's a guy who's willing to shoot from three-point range, not, <laughs> not capable. Uh, I mean, he's career 28% uh, from distance. I, I think for the price tag, I'm not in love with him. But it's so vital here, guys, what they do in that basically you are now – you have all this cap room. If you use it on Josh Smith as your, your second highest-paid player – I, that team, in my opinion, does not have a ceiling of, of a championship team. However, if you land Dwight Howard and now you're talking about adding him as your third piece, it's a different story. I do think that there's some flaws definitely in Josh Smith, but he's 27. He'll be 28 later in the year. Uh, he's he's not old. He's just he's a guy who I think as, as a complimentary player to your to Harden and Howard could be a, could be a good fit. And, and another thing about Josh Smith to add on to what you just said is he does have talent. He shows it in flashes, in my opinion. I'd be optimistic that Kevin McHale, given his background with being able to work with post players, would get the best out of Josh Smith. My biggest thing about Josh Smith when I watch him is he's a little he, – he's kind of a spaz on the court. And you know, if, if he can just calm down and use his talents to the best of his abilities, he, he I think he really needs a guy like Kevin McHale to get the best out of his game. So – I'd be pretty optimistic from that, but I'm, I agree with you, Dave. I'm not in love with Josh Smith if he's the guy, if he's your second highest paid player. But if he's a complimentary piece with Dwight and Harden and Parsons, I'll, I'll be on board with that. Yeah, I would like to see, you know, I think he still provides um, an ability to have a good post player, a good defensive post player in while Dwight Howard sits out in this in this you know hypothetical what it also does is allows you to have a guy that's really probably 
pretty advanced in the pick and roll alongside um, Howard or could substitute for that picker when Howard's out because the Rockets struggled a little bit in that transition when Morris and Patterson were traded away. Your only pick and roll big at that point was Oshik. And then when Oshik goes out of the game, not only do you lose your big picker, but you also lose all that defense. So not losing either of those things, if you can have a Josh Smith and have a Dwight Howard, would be pretty big. Yeah, it's going to be, if they land Howard, obviously people are going to be so thrilled that they won't, you know, they'll be distracted, I should say. But I think this is going to become a very big story. I think the Rockets want to avoid uh, another Luis Scola, Kevin Martin situation where you've got these guys who were were traded or were on the block and then and later up a little bit upset. But, uh, you know, as far as Jeremy, I believe that he's on the block when he actually is traded. I mean, I, I do believe the Rockets have done their due diligence and, and shopped him and, and gauged his value. But, you know, when the Rockets signed Jeremy, they, they just had no foundation. And now they're looking at a scenario uh, where they'll have a top, you know, if, if all goes well, they'll have a top guard big man combo in Harden and Howard. And uh, does it make sense for eight to nine million of your cap space to be eaten up by a player uh, that may not be an I- ideal fit, could blossom somewhere else? And you've got a guy, a bargain in Beverly, who, okay, you can debate all day whether he's as good as Lynn or not, but it certainly for the price tag, it's too, it's it's not proportional. So uh, from a basketball standpoint, I think the answer could be simple. But with Jeremy, it's not just about basketball. And I'll believe the Rockets are you know willing to trade Lynn when they actually do it. I'm, I'm willing right now to believe it, only because if Lynn were a long-term fit, he would have been at the Dwight meetings. Um, and, and part of that, I know you'll bring up the yeah. point. You can, go I mean, ahead. You, can, you can make the point about, about well, he, uh, he, he wouldn't want to be there in those meetings because they had a scheduled meetings for Chris Paul as well. But he was in California. He was in L.A., I think, maybe. San Francisco. San Francisco. He was, he was close. But close doesn't really matter because they Skyped in to Kimbe and Yao. So to me, if you if you wanted him to be there, he could have easily been there. And I think that was a telling sign that he was not there, that they say, we're not going to sell you on Jeremy Lin because we're not going to sell you on pieces of our team that may not be here. You know, you, you may have nailed it there. I just feel <laughs> that. And, and that's true. I, there's, I have those same suspicions. But – I just feel that that Chris Paul, which was always part of the plan, and this has been in this has been planned for months. I mean, it's been in the workings for months. They could have shifted last minute when Paul was out and said, "Hey, come along." I'm, I'm on the fence there. I just feel that he wasn't initially coming for that reason because he could be flat out. He could be traded in in any. Obviously, he would have been in any Chris Paul scenario. And when you look at the when you look at the market for both Lynn and Oshik, I think it's kind of stating the obvious here i think it's going to be much easier to move oshik than it is lynn oh, you know, yeah. oshik oshik in his first year as a full-time starter played in every single game averaged a double double and i think the consensus around the league is he's one of the better low post defenders in the league i, I brought this up in a previous podcast not to stray too off topic here but you look at a team like boston who is clearly rebuilding contrary to what danny Ainge said yeah. they're rebuilding <laughs> You have to wonder if a guy like Rajon Rondo is on the trade block. They tried to trade him at the last deadline, even while he was hurt. And then, you know, we hear reports that, you know, Dallas is interested in him. I would wonder, would the Rockets kick the tires on Rondo if the price is right? Possibly a deal centered around Oshik? I, I don't know. But I definitely think that I agree with you, uh, David, with the Jeremy Lin thing. 
if you don't think that he is the guy at eight nine million a year, you kind of have to shop him, you know. And that really doesn't come as a surprise to me. Just looking at Daryl Morey's past, his lifespan on point guards is very short, so it doesn't really surprise me. But I agree. When he, I'll believe Jeremy Lin is traded when he gets traded. Well, when it's all when it's all said and done, we might not be able to count the number of moves the Rockets have made on one hand. Uh, it's notable that that Brooks and Delfino have now been let go, and then obviously. Over the weekend after the draft, Thomas Robinson was also dealt as well. Yeah, and that was uh, that was key. I mean, I thought it was pretty fascinating as well that they did this just hours before meeting with Dwight Howard. I think that that I don't believe they were negotiating last minute. I think that they probably had something in their pocket uh, for a little bit and and maybe for added effect. Said, hey, look, we're all in on you. We just made this move. They now have the available cap room. Uh, to go after Dwight because of this trade, and they ended up landing uh, four, what amounts to four second-round picks, two second-round picks yet to be used, and uh, the rights to uh, Kostas Papanikolaou and uh, Marko Todorovic, and um, those guys are interesting prospects overseas. I mean, uh, Papanikolaou is a guy who, a 23-year-old, six-foot-eight small forward, uh, a guy who can knock down the, the open three, probably a solid role player, probably a little bit more polished and ready to come over relatively soon, whereas uh, Todorovic is a guy, a big man, uh, just turned 21 uh, earlier this year, considered one of the better big men for his age, uh, a little bit raw, a guy who plays around the basket, somewhat of a mid-range game, um, but a decent roll of the dice, a guy you probably won't see for a couple of years. I do get a kick out of the fact that the Rockets are trading these lottery picks for second round picks and we're applauding these moves just like Marcus Morris was traded for second round pick and now uh, Thomas Robinson who was the fifth pick just a year ago um, but I do think given the Rockets needs that they had to have that cap room it was a very good trade yeah it was necessary um, yeah it is it is unfortunate that that's that's how it ended up shaking out and I, I will I will too very, be very disappointed if Dwight Howard does not land in Houston because Thomas Robinson, I think you could have gotten more for him had you not been pressed and had you had a little bit more leverage. Right. Yeah. If you had, if you didn't have, I mean, the other teams, the other 29 teams in the league that would have liked him had all the leverage in the situation and they knew it. So while the two second round picks and the two futures seemed like a good, good deal because it was really icing on the cake, because really who cares as long as the Rockets clear that cap space? You could have gotten a lot more for Thomas Robinson. If you were to, willing to take equivalent salary, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I read, I read a report that San Antonio was really interested in Thomas Robinson and probably would have given up their first-round pick. But, I mean, I, I, don't think the, I don't think San Antonio was down for helping us try to get, possibly get Dwight Howard. So I, I definitely think if, he, if the Rockets would have had a little more leverage, they could have gotten more for Thomas Robinson. But given the situation to get essentially four second-round picks is hats off to Daryl Morey. And obviously, guys, there was the NBA draft that uh, happened as well. And it wasn't the, this massive story for the Rockets. They only had one pick, the 34th pick. Uh, ended up selecting Isaiah Cannon and uh, with the 34th pick out of Murray State, a four-year uh, senior. Um, and a terrific name, frankly, for a point guard, Isaiah Cannon. But uh, this is a guy, most importantly, can really shoot the ball from distance, from deep, uh, shot just under 42% from long range for his entire four-year career in college. Um, they love his athleticism. He's, he's only, he's not super tall, about six foot even, 
But uh, it's a guy they feel is a first-round talent that they ended up getting with the 34th pick, and I think some guys with some potential were taken ahead of him. Given the Rockets' situation and what they're going to trying to go top-heavy in, in uh, free agency and, la- and land those those top main pieces, they're going to need cheap talent ready to contribute now. This I thought that was a good move. Uh, they, they ended up scooping up Robert Covington, a guy who was undrafted that they gave guaranteed money to, 150000 in his first year. It's a six foot nine forward out of Tennessee State who also uh, shot over 42% from long range. So what the Rockets are doing is focusing on shooting, and that's all based on Harden's penetrations and, and having Dwight Howard in the middle. Just a little more background information on Isaiah Cannon. He's he's not the guy that you're going to look at and say, oh, he's a true point guard. He's a very good scorer, great range, and he has a good knack for getting to the basket. You know, Dave, you said it. He was a four-year starter at Murray State, and uh, he's a back-to-back Ohio Valley Conference Player of the Year. So I thought this was a very good pick. Most people had Cannon slated to go you know, mid to late first round, so to get him at the 34th pick was great value by Daryl. Yeah, I, I'm interested to see how he does in the summer league. Obviously, we won't be able to see the summer league this year, being that it's going to be in Orlando and not Vegas. Summer league starts Sunday, July 7th. Um, and then I, Dave wrote an article, I guess, that was out uh, just this last week about everybody's best friend, Royce White. <laughs> yeah, uh, you know, I've been wanting to know basically if he was going to be playing in the summer league. We haven't heard anything about Royce White, and it's a toxic topic to be quite honest with you i mean you could maybe have a better chance of getting dwight howard information than you than you are of getting royce white information Uh, but he's just he's not there he's basically a no-show and uh you know he replied uh on twitter to the story basically saying he hasn't he hasn't been told to be anywhere which of course is is ridiculous i mean he's under contract Uh, you know it's just a mess of a situation that he he has basically created um but i can't see any way that he's at the Orlando Summer League. I've asked several people. Nobody will comment on that. But he's not with the team. He hasn't been with the team since uh, their first road trip. I mean, he hasn't been at the Toyota Center working out with the team in any capacity. So, uh, you know, I, I just think we're going to see a resolution here soon. They're, they're going to move him uh, in a trade. They're going to maybe take some of those second-round picks or something, some kind of asset, and try to maybe attach it to Royce White to get somebody to, to take him uh, for the rest of the year. Or... Uh, as David Weiner pointed out in, in a cap update yesterday, great. Uh, if you haven't read it, it's a great article on the site uh, by David Weiner that broke down the Rockets' cap situation as they make an offer to Dwight Howard. But basically, he's he suggests the Rockets could be using the the stretch provision on on his contract, which basically stretches out the cap hit over a few years. So it, it would, I think, I believe, save the Rockets six to seven hundred thousand dollars. So it's a possibility that they could waive him as well. But the point is, we're going to see some kind of resolution. He's he's taking up a spot right now that, that the Rockets just can't afford. Could you imagine an NFL player saying, well, no one told me to be at the OTAs. <laughs> well, no. yeah, what well, your contract's non-guaranteed, so you're not going to get a paycheck this year. Yeah, and, and I, I could rant on guaranteed contracts all day. I think it's I mean, I think there's there's some benefits, but I think there's there's some really real disadvantages. I, I've never seen a, a player just really be unwilling to do to play like this and still be paid. But it, it's a mess of a situation. I, I'm sure the Rockets are just looking at it like it's got one year left and, and let's get it over with and move on. It's funny. I think the last podcast we had, we ended talking about Trace McGrady being a champion. Now we're going to end it with Royce White. I mean, when does it end? 
When does it all end? <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, we'll make note next time to end on a strong note now. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah, something like Steve Francis's rap career. Yeah, okay, well, uh, yeah, maybe not. <laughs> thanks, guys. All right, thanks, guys. Okay.